0: Villains. Each episode I'll be joined by two guests to take a look at a different type of villain. We're going to do a gangster movie villain, a high school movie villain, a karate movie villain. Today we're doing a psychological thriller villain because I thought it was important that we start this series with perhaps the scene for scene, most overwhelming, most perfect villain that's ever been. Today we're doing...
1: I want your full attention, Starling. Yes, sir. Be very careful with Hannibal Lecter. Dr. Chilton at the asylum will go over all the physical procedures used with him. Do not deviate from them for any reason whatsoever. And you're to tell him nothing personal, Starling. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. Just do your job, but never forget what he is.
0: The good Dr. Hannibal Lecter. I'm Shay Serrano, that's Sean Finnessy, that's Jason Concepcion. Yo, Two guys who always put the lotion on the skin, let's go. (laughs)
1: If you've seen my, my pale and crusty complexion, you know that's not true.
0: <laughs> Let's do the plot of the movie first. I'm going to run through the plot. Feel free to jump in if you feel it's necessary. In Silence of the Lambs, a serial killer named Buffalo Bill is kidnapping women, starving them for a couple of days, then killing them and skinning them. And he kills a few people, and the FBI doesn't really have any ideas on how to catch him or even who he might be. So Jack Crawford, who runs the behavioral science unit of the FBI, comes up with a plan. Can I say, before we keep going, can I say real quick that this plan was, to me, a little bit reckless. It felt like, we're going to get into exactly it's why. It's also very
1: convoluted.
0: Yeah. Yes, quite convoluted. But just watching it, I was like, "What, wh- Jack, what are we doing here, Jack? This Is, <laughs> yeah. is this the best we've got? Poor Clarice. Anyway, yeah. Jack's plan is he asks Clarice Starling, an FBI trainee, to go talk to Hannibal Lecter, this brilliant but also extremely nuts serial killer being held at the Baltimore State Hospital for the criminally insane. He tells her that he's sending her there to interview Lecter for other reasons, but Starling, who is smart, sniffs out that it's somehow tied to Buffalo Bill. She's mm-hmm. piecing it together. Jack says, no, 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 it's not. It's not. Just <laughs> just go, but be careful. And So she goes, and the first interview with Lecter is a disaster. The, Sean, the way you know that an interview went poorly is if at any point during the interview somebody <laughs> throws semen at you yeah be, yeah that's it's been an issue here that's at the how it went really and yeah. as an aside
2: can i would just like to note that the aerodynamics there don't make <laughs> a lot of sense to me <laughs> i think that they're the the distance covered seems inaccurate but i'm but moving on sorry sorry to interrupt
0: i was expecting a lot of things that we did the villain podcast but like a a semen aside in the first 2 minutes was not
1: i mean what I, was anticipating.
0: I mean, I'm already
1: anticipating the MIGS episode of Villains Season 2. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. to
0: Miggs. <laughs> okay. But so the first interview is a disaster for Clarice, but Lecter is intrigued by her, so he allows for more interviews to take place. And Crawford eventually admits that, yes, he's hoping Lecter's going to say something that'll help the FBI catch Buffalo Bill. Meanwhile, in the background, we've got Bill running around. He's kidnapped a new victim, and it turns out that the new victim is the daughter of a senator. And Dr. Chilton, who's the guy who runs the the Baltimore State Hospital where Lecter is, arranges for Hannibal to have a face-to-face meeting with the senator so he can tell her who Buffalo Bill is so they can rescue the daughter. And they meet up and Lecter feeds him a lie. And then later that night, he escapes the temporary holding cell that they have him in by killing two guards and then cutting off one of their faces and wearing it as a mask. That old trick. That old That old thing. Yeah. (laughs) Starling is able to piece together the clues that Lecter was giving her to find Bill. So she ends up finding him and then killing him and then saving the senator's daughter. And then the movie ends with Starling having graduated the FBI Academy because, again, she was still just a baby. But she's graduated. Lecter's free. And he's on his way toward—it's implied, but he's on his way toward killing Chilton, who is out running around in the world we get everything? Is that all the pieces? I think you did. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Before we get to the questions, let me throw four interesting things at you from the movie. And if you knew them already, great for you. But if not, cool. The first words in the movie that we hear, do you know what they are? I don't. You don't know what they are? Okay. It's Clarice's name. She's running through the woods. An agent comes running behind her. He's calling at her Mm -hmm. because Crawford wants to talk to her. The last words in the movie, Hannibal's name. Clarice is saying it. As, you know, they have the phone call. The party's all wrapped up. Oh, wow. He calls her. He's like, "Uh, you know, I'm not going to kill you. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Dr. Lighter. Dr. Lighter. That's like the last decipherable words we hear in the movie. It starts with Clarice, it ends with with Hannibal. Interesting thing number two. Like, you look really interesting, I'm Jason. very, this
2: is fascinating okay, stuff. Okay, good, I good, good.
0: Silence of the Lambs was released on Valentine's Day or the week of Valentine's Day. It's the least valentines day
1: movie that's <laughs> Or is it, though? I mean, <laughs> you just pointed out how there's this sort of non-sexual love affair going yeah. on between Clarice and Hannibal, and the movie kind of bookends their feelings. So maybe it's a, maybe no, it's a love not story. No, it's not romantic. Okay, okay, okay. It's not. All right.
0: Do you know what the most Valentine's Day movie to come out on Valentine's Day or Valentine's Week? No idea. I assume it's the movie Valentine's Day. If you would. <laughs> but that's not it. It's actually Step Up to The Streets, oh, wow. 2008. Very, very romantic. Far, <laughs> far superior to Valentine's Day. Interesting thing number three. In a 1991 article at Empire Magazine, Hopkins described Hannibal Lecter's voice by saying, I thought of him as a combination of Catherine Hepburn Truman Capote and Howe from 2001, wow. A Space Odyssey. And that's like a super specific thing. But when you watch the movie after reading that, it sounds exactly like all three of those things, which is, to me, I thought, very incredible. I love that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really very great. evocative. It's really interesting. Okay, this is my favorite one that I, that I read. This is from a 2016 article in Rolling Stone with Ted Talley, who's the screenwriter for Science of the Lambs. He talked about how in the movie, Hannibal blinks only one time for <laughs> yeah. the entire movie. That's it. Just he said he trained himself to do that. He's not going to blink the whole movie. He does it one time when Clarice is telling him about the the. He's running through the memory of the lambs and all of this stuff, and that I thought was the most interesting thing. And then I watched the movie, and it's a lie. That's Uh-oh. not true. He blinks like in the fucking first ten seconds of the scene <laughs> when she walks when she walks up to him. I was like, wait a second, this is not this is not true. Ted Talley is out here just lying.
1: That's a great example of the kind of. Like myth making that we create after yes. something comes out in the world. Like, if you just look on IMDb trivia pages, they're filled with interesting ideas, but like mm-hmm. half of them are kind of bullshit or not right, true right, right. or they've been distorted over the years.
2: It, does that fall under the category of director bullshit, even though it's not quite director bullshit?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like character bullshit. Yeah. You know, it's like we're trying to create even more of it. Like, as if Hannibal Lecter, who is one of the all time great movie characters in the history of movies, needed more aura, more mythology behind him. Right. Tally's still out here after he won an Oscar, still flexing.
0: Let's do some questions. The first question this is the most fundamental question, uh, the most direct question I'm going to ask either one of y'all today. Uh, but it's very simple, it's very direct. Why is Hannibal Lecter scary? Just why? Because mm. he's just a little old man. He's not physically threatening, but what is it he, about him?
2: He refuses to acknowledge the reality of his surroundings. He's in prison. Right. And yet he's in complete command all the time. Right. There seems to be no barrier between him and the outside world. He he has an ability to affect things, go on there. He kills Migs with a few whispered words, Mm -hmm. is so directly confrontational with Clarice in ways that she's just not prepared for.
0: She wasn't ready.
2: Not at all ready. Oh, uh, smelling her perfume, smelling the perfume that she's not even wearing. You know, he just is does not seem like a caged being in any kind of way.
0: I
1: like uh, that.
2: And that's what's to me, is terrifying about him.
1: Sean, where I, are we? I think there's also an uncommon intelligence. Yeah. You know, in a lot of movies, you have supervillains or people who are trying to conquer the world, and they're sort of famously flawed. They make mistakes, or they explain their plan, or they tell you where they're going. Right. Lecter is incredibly insightful, incredibly intelligent. He is Oddly charismatic, Clarice. Even though she's sort of mortified and unable to contend with his insights and the way that he's manipulating her, she's totally enraptured by him. Right? You know, she can't look away. She wants to be close to him. She's sort of drawn to him in this insane way. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because he just he knows more than everyone. Yeah. And I I actually don't quite understand how he was captured in the first place because yeah. you see by the measure of his escape that he is it just has an incredible brain. He's a tactician. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's a there's a great line in Red Dragon, which is the, the book before oh, yeah, yeah. Silence of the Lambs. It's also in Manhunter, the the Michael Mann TV movie adaptation <laughs> where uh Will Graham, the FBI agent who caught Lecter, is meeting with him and he's like, you know, and Lecter's like, well, how did yeah. you catch me? And Graham's like, well you had certain disadvantages. Uh-huh. I was like, well, what were those? You're insane. So I guess that is how, but you <laughs> never get the feel like he's just so in control. Like yeah. you don't he's almost Hypersane, You know, he's made the rational decision that I'm smarter than everyone, therefore, if I need to kill people, that is afforded to me because of my higher intellect. It's a terrifying prospect.
0: Yeah, I think I'm falling around the same category as both of you guys. For me, it was, there's two parts to it. Number one, there's just this stillness yeah. to him. He looks like a very deep body of water. Mm. Yeah. You just don't know what is in there. And number two, he is, in almost all capacities, just impenetrable. There's no way to get inside to see what he's doing or thinking. We see it in the very first scene that he has with Clarice. She's poking and prodding him in like every way she can think of. And it's like, she's fucking tapping on a bank vault with a toothpick trying to get inside. There's just nothing there. Meanwhile, what you were talking about, about him being so smart, he talks to her for a total of like six minutes and within those six minutes, he figures out her aspirations. He yes. figures out her roots, her motivations, and he just he uses it to just shred her to pieces. Do you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a robe, a well scrubbed, hustling robe with a little taste. Good nutrition's given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor white trash, are you, Agent Starling? And that accent you've tried so desperately to shed—pure West Virginia. What does your father do? Is he a coal miner? Does he stink of the
2: land? You know how quickly the boys found you—all those tedious, sticky
0: fumblings in the backseats of cars, while you could only dream of getting out, getting anywhere, getting all the way to the end. And for me that's that's like a central fear of mine. Like I don't ever wanna be the person in an exchange who doesn't know the thing. We, we should both be on the same footing here. You should not have more information than me. I'm terrified of that. So watching an entire movie where the guy is just built around that premise is fucking
1: frightening. <laughs> Yeah, you pointed out something really interesting too, which is his ability to identify where she comes from just yeah. by the sound of her voice, right? Which yeah. is such a unique skill, and it gives you that that uneasiness. That's sort of like why I'm so disadvantaged, as you said, because of that. He's just such a great character.
0: Do you? Do either of you remember where you were the first time you watched Silence of the Lambs? Like, is there a memory you have attached to it, or the movie, or a character in there?
1: Hmm. I, I can share. I can share yeah. mine, which is not. It's not a story of seeing mm. the movie. This movie came out. I was not quite old enough to go to the theater to see it. My parents were very particular about not letting me see movies like this. But I had an uncle. (laughs) Everybody has the uncle. My uncle didn't take me to see the movie. But what he would would do, and I would beg him to do this, is he would explain movies to me. He would just sit me down and he would just tell me the movie from start to finish. And he was a great storyteller. And he had this thing, uncanny ability to paint a picture when he was talking. And he t- and he was obviously fascinated by Lecter. And I think he may have even read the book. But he had this unique ability to convey everything that happened in this movie. So he tells me all of this. It's probably like opening weekend because he saw it on the Friday night and on the Saturday. It happened to be at his house. He tells me the story. And then as we know, like as this movie goes on, it goes on to be an enormous success. It's a huge Oscar film. It became part of this sort of pop cultural lexicon where you'd see the clips of you know, very famous lines that Lecter would say on television all the time or during award shows. And I think I had a vision of what I thought the movie was going to be before I saw it. It probably was not until a year or two after it came out that I finally saw it. And the movie was quite different from what I was expecting. Okay. But it's interesting how a character can get sort of crystallized in your mind, even without having experienced it.
0: How is it different?
1: Well, it, it's, there was certainly a lot more about Buffalo Bill, and I don't think that um, <laughs> my uncle was as keen on explaining some of the motivations of Buffalo Bill to a nine-year-old me, sure, uh, which yeah. is, who, he's also a complex character in this movie, but I, I thought that this, this was the Hannibal Lecter movie, and it's interesting that we're having this conversation about Hannibal Lecter being the centerpiece of the movie, because, yeah. you know, he's not, He while he is the most sort of important figure, he is in the fewest scenes of all the important figures, Yeah, and You know, it's just a testament to the the performance and the character.
0: It's crazy to think about in a movie where a guy is kidnapping, starving, killing, and skinning women. The other guy is the villain that we're going to remember from it. That's right. It's
2: really fascinating.
0: I was in... uh, I didn't see this movie in a a theater either. I was in elementary the first time I saw it, and I will never forget it. We were just hanging out at the house. The TV was on in the bedroom, and... I was it was the scene where where Buffalo Bill is dancing and like getting all glammed up.
2: Yeah. What well, you fuck with? Come on, take that boat. Come on. Come on.
1: Come. On. Come on. Come on.
0: you're watching it and it's just getting bigger and bigger and like more grandiose and you're just sort of pulled in which is weird cuz I was maybe in the like 4th or 5th grade and then the penis tuck scene happens yeah. and you're like all right cool like we got ourselves a party here was with-
1: as a
2: young as kid did you get that i, I was i was just like in junior high school we had blockbuster nights yeah so we'd rent movies like on fridays and the whole family would watch them and that's how i first saw this movie and there were a lot of things i didn't get like the mig scene did not didn't understand what had happened. Me neither. No idea what had happened. Uh, that scene was not under. Didn't really get what I was looking at. Mm. What I was mainly struck by was the horror elements in that and the, the stare of of Hannibal Lecter. Every, there was just a lot of things that went completely over my head.
0: Let's do the categories. We're gonna okay. do categories. The first category. This one's called worst behavior, and we have to figure out between the three of us what's the most villainous thing that Hannibal does. In Silence of the Lambs. I'm going to throw some options sure. out there for you. If I miss something, you can add to it. But I'm going to go through them. Option number one, and we'll start with the biggest one, when he cuts the guy's face off and wears <laughs> it as a mask sure. to <laughs> pretty This one to me, this is like the worst case of identity theft that has ever been, that I've ever heard of. I don't know if he was the first victim of identity theft, but he's definitely the worst victim of identity theft.
2: I, it's That's a
0: bad one. That's a bad one. This is an all-time great escape plan, though. Like,
1: yes, I, I, I have. A, there's a small flaw. Okay, which is when paramedics come to right. examine someone who has been either killed or badly wounded, yeah. they tend to examine the body very briefly. So we might have examined Hannibal Lecter covered in a, a person's face, right? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. We would we have touched have the it. face. We would have understood. That's sort of accepted as somehow he got his ass on that ambulance without being truly examined.
0: Yeah, he was just kind of... Copri- I, I think because they were so in shock, they saw the other guy hanging from the cell. cell. Yes. He's like, we're dealing with something different here.
2: Yeah, they're like, the shock of the moment. There's also the fact that Hannibal somehow was able to, like, through just sheer will, depress his pulse or affect it in some way to the point where the EMTs were like, this man is in shock.
0: Yeah, He was selling that before. He him. was he starts shaking yeah, yeah. and convulsing. <laughs> like, he was going for it. He really he really went for it. All right. Option number two. When he convinces Miggs to kill himself. That's a tough one. That's, that's a tough a moral one to get past. Gray area there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm just gonna blow by, blow by that one. Option number three. This one isn't really contender, but I'm gonna throw it in there anyway. After he escapes, he kills two paramedics and a tourist. And we don't see it happen. We just have it explained to us. But I feel like if you kill three people real fast, we should probably mention it. Option number four, when he taunts Senator Martin oh, about man, breastfeeding. Tough. like that is the that's the tough, she's at her most desperate, her most vulnerable. Yeah. She's trying to find her daughter. She thinks he has the answers. He does have the answers, but he's just using it as this opportunity to exploit her pain. And more than just, like, exploit the pain, he's yo-yoing her back and forth, like, in and out of hopelessness. Like, I'm gonna help you. I'm not gonna help you. I'm gonna help you. And that part, really just re-watching it now, it just sticks out as, like, that's,
1: That's a mean thing to do. And the the word choices he has when he's taunting her.
2: Tell me, Senator, did you nurse Catherine yourself? What? Did you breastfeed her? Now, wait a minute. Yes, I did. Toughened your nipples, didn't it? Oh, son of a bitch. Amputate a man's leg and he can still feel it tickling.
1: Tell me, Mom, when your little girl is on the slab, where will it tickle you? I mean, that's just evil. It's really evil. And and, and unnerving.
2: Unnerving and also so suggestive of his ability to find that- The one Most sensitive point in your psyche and touch it.
0: Yeah. I'm going to put a needle on this and then hit the needle with a hammer. That's what I'm going to do. And the last option is when he tells Clarice that she looks like a rube. This one- (laughs) This one hurt my feelings. Rube. It, yeah, yeah. She's
1: with your like good bag and your bad shoes. Yeah, you
0: know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes. You look like a rube. Like a serial killer just told you, you look like a fucking hillbilly. <laughs> it's very tough. And she's got on her best, probably her best outfit. It's just so hurtful. She's really trying, and he just cuts her legs off for the fun of it. She's also a
1: trainee with no money.
0: With nothing. yeah, yeah. Get yeah, off yeah. her back. I know. I. I think maybe, maybe like secretly one of my favorite things in this movie is that first scene is my favorite scene of the whole movie when him and Clarice meet for the first time. And my favorite part of it is when he's dipping in and out of the accent to like make fun of her yeah, without saying he's making fun of her. I remember reading somewhere that he didn't tell Jodie Foster he was going to do that ahead of time. Ooh. He just did it. That's why she looks so shocked because she's like, is he making fun of me for real? What What's going on here? Like that's. Does he stink of the lamp? Does he, does he stink of the lamp?
2: <laughs> Did it come to you at night?
0: Which of, Which of these five is uh, is his most villainous thing? What are we going with, Sean?
1: I think it's fairly safe to say murdering someone, tearing their face off, and then stealing their identity yeah. is, is uh, number one with a bullet.
2: Yeah, um, I, I'm going to go with that as well. <laughs> with an ad- With an additional with an addendum. Okay. Shouts to the two AMTs in the ambulance who thought they were saving a cop's life. (laughs) And ended up roadkill of Hannibal Lecter. Just a regular, regular. Just thought they were doing a good thing, doing their job, serving the county. Collateral damage. Collateral damage in Hannibal Lecter's escape. Shouts to them. We don't think about them. (laughs) We don't even know their names. We don't even know their names. Very tough stuff for them.
0: Next category. Maybe he had a point.
1: That's the name of this category. (laughs) This is the honorary uh, Thanos award. Okay, yeah, I That's love gonna, having the Thanos conversation. What we're gonna call this?
0: Is there an argument you can make that justifies Hannibal Lecter's actions in this movie at all? Like, are there any any parts of it?
1: There's, I mean, I think there's one small part, which is he leads Clarice to Buffalo Bill right. ultimately, okay. and so Buffalo Bill is captured. Now that will probably ultimately lead to Lecter's escape, and then his subsequent murder of many people and <laughs> consumption of those people right. uh, down the road. So you know, it's a little bit of a uh, column A and column B.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. That's, and which is what makes him a fascinating character. If he was Mm -hmm. only pure evil, if he didn't have some kind of point, if he wasn't so intelligent, so aware of what he was doing, I think he would not be as interesting a character.
0: Let me zoom in a little bit here. How do we feel about him deciding to like tease the answer out of Clarice rather than just going, oh, it's. It's Oh, but you're talking about Buffalo
1: Bill? I know exactly who that is. It's this guy. It's James Gum. That's a very good question. I think you can make the case that he has sort of helped her become a better FBI agent. Has he, though? I I don't know. I mean, I think so. I think she's forced to use powers of intuition, interviewing skills, detective work. I mean, these are the things that she'll use in her job. And as Jason pointed out, they have this unique chemistry. There's something between them. What is that?
2: It's something I've thought about a lot watching this movie over the years, what is it that interests him about her? Like there's something about her innocence or her naivete, I think, but there's something else too. Like he feels her intellect, even though it's kind of unguided at that time. I, I, can't, I can't figure yeah. out what it is.
0: He's definitely drawn to how smart she is. That's a mm-hmm, big mm-hmm. part of it because you see it happen in that first scene when he like, oh, Jack Crawford sent a trainee to me, blah, blah, blah. They do that whole thing. And she's like, oh, I was hoping I could learn something from you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he looks at her and he's like, that's very slippery of you. Like, yeah, he understands that's... right here that we're not dealing with just a regular person. This is someone who maybe we can play chess against each other.
1: Yeah. And also Hannibal, even though he seems sort of impenetrable and indestructible, I think probably ultimately because of his intelligence knows that he's damaged and knows yeah. that Clarice is damaged. And they're sort of simpatico in that way. There's something there's some sort of native wound and it's like two people with problems identifying what's good about one another in the wild
0: in the book series they actually end up together which i did not know until i started researching for all of this stuff they like fall in love and they just run off together that's beautiful that's not <laughs> <laughs> i like the movie version better when he yeah. cuts his hand off and disappears yeah but i think this is me. the
1: original version of a star is born
0: Today's episode is presented by Shudder. AMC Network Shudder is a premium video streaming service serving fans with the best selection of horror and thrillers. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. It's like the Netflix for horror. Stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for four ninety nine dollars a month or $49.99 a year on all your favorite devices like iPhone, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Android devices. There are new spine-tingling thrillers, shocking horrors, and edge-of-your-seat suspense added weekly, and you'll have unlimited access to stream them all ad-free. Shudder's thriving community revels in all things provocative and can also enjoy member-only perks such as exclusive releases and VIP movie screenings. Shudder has an unparalleled collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics, and blockbuster hits. To try Shudder free for 14 days, go to Shudder.com podcast and use promo code VILLAINS. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com slash podcast and promo code VILLAINS. Now back to Hannibal. Next category, the Jason Statham School for Rehabilitation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go through this real quickly, but in Furious 7, Jason Statham is the villain. He kills Han and then spends the rest of the movie trying to kill everybody else in Dom's crew. And then in Fate of the Furious, number eight... He becomes a part of the crew, and then by the end of the movie, they're all best friends and having a rooftop barbecue. He was rehabilitated. Is there a scenario? Is there a string of events where we can see Hannibal getting rehabilitated himself? And if not, like, what's the point of no return for him?
2: I th- I would posit that this is sort of the uh, the principle behind the show Hannibal and the books Beyond. Silence of the Lambs and the movies beyond Silence of the Lambs. Can he be rehabilitated? Yes, in the sense that if he begins to target people that are, that, <laughs> that in this fictional world, the audience considers worthy of his attention, right? Mm-hmm. So they're like, you know, catching Buffalo Bill is a good thing that Lecter did, focusing on other bad people, killing Migs, the reason that the, he, that's kind of like a, a favor to Clarice is he did a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. So therefore, within this fictional world, deserved what he got. So I think that is the way that you could, quote unquote, rehabilitate him is, is he would then begin to focus on people who, quote unquote,
1: deserved it right we need to take the census takers and the emts right no more and the cops all off the table can't right. kill any of those yeah hand
0: them a list of paper and says these
1: guys are off the yes. table yes the regular working joes and janes of the world right. no more of that but but truly evil semen throwing convicts yes are on the board
0: i gotta disagree
1: with y'all <laughs> here. i don't think it,
0: i don't think he could be rehabilitated like the one thing we know about hannibal lecter is nobody can get to his brain. It's wrapped in too yeah. much barbed wire mm-hmm. for anybody to be able to well put. manipulate. I don't think we can we can fix him there. We're sort of drawn in by this, this affection that he has for Clarice. He's very sweet with her. He's very, as you mentioned, he's very charming when he's talking to her or about her. I've seen all of the Hannibal movies from Hannibal Rising up into, uh, what was the last one, Red Dragon. Like my, my favorite line in any of those movies is when in Hannibal, after Clarice has been kicked out of the FBI and he's like asking her about, do you think they're going to give you a medal when you get it? Like if you were to save yourself or if you were to catch me. And he says, this is a quote that he says, I made sure to write it down. He says uh, about the medal. Would you have it professionally framed and hanging on your wall to look at, to remind you of your courage and incorruptibility? All you would need for that, Clarice, is a mirror. And that was like a very touching moment. Yeah. For me, when he says it, like I've just, I'm so intoxicated by their relationship that I feel like I want to say, yeah, give Hannibal like six weeks of therapy and he's gonna be, <laughs> he'll be all right. But I just, he I has can't get, 40, you know, several dozen people. I can't get there. I just, I just.
1: Them. Can't get there. What about, what, 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 what about a sort of like a forward-thinking gourmand, you know, someone who's really uh,
2: <laughs> discovered something about kind
1: of the, 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 the new ways of, of dining in America? Imagine
2: a cooking show with Hannibal.
0: <laughs> I would watch it. Bloody with Hannibal Lecter.
2: That's what you call <laughs> it. Hello, <bloody>. everybody. <laughs>
0: Next category, Jason. Yeah. This is bonus footage. Oh, yes. I can't wait for this. Do you remember in The Office? I'm going to jump to The Office, my favorite TV show, perhaps, when Jim kisses Pam. Everybody remembers this great scene. I always wanted to know what happened the next day at The Office. What was the next day like? Does Jim show up to work? Does Mm -hmm. Pam show up to work? Are they cool with each other? Do they ignore each other? Like, I want that sort of bonus footage. That's what we're talking about here with this category. Is there a moment that we know for sure happened in Silence of the Lambs in that universe that we don't get to see that you would
1: like to see? Well, I I think that that the census taker story is kind of iconic, you yeah. know. He, he does deliver it vividly, but um I think I, I do want to see Hannibal pre-capture in the wild. Right. You know, there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of mythology and a lot of narrative put around that idea, and so it would have been interesting to see And, you know, we ultimately got this with the TV show in some respects, but this sort of young, up-and-coming, brilliant psychological mind starting to figure out that he – just how kind of damaged he is. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a a lot of Hannibal Lecter that we don't get a chance to see.
0: Is there one for you?
2: Yeah, I think it's – you know, right after his escape, where does he get money and clothes and stuff and how does he get to – From the tourist. Yeah, but – Then how does he get an ID? How does he get on a plane? From the tourist, he looks like the guy. Like I want to know how he, Hannibal Lecter in the world on the run is a kind of fascinating thing. And then how he works himself up to, you know, as we saw in, in, what was it? What's the movie? Hannibal. And Hannibal, like how does he then become, you know, an esteemed member of society? How does Mm -hmm. that happen? That's fascinating to me.
0: That's that's a fair one. I kept trying to picture things I wanted to see. I really like the scene when Chilton is describing to Clarice why you have to be careful and he's like mm. the docs he like shows her a picture of the nurse that the, that Hannibal attacked
2: i'm going to show you why we insist on such precautions on the afternoon of july 8 1981 he complained of chest pains and was taken to the dispensary his mouthpiece and restraints were removed for an ekg when the nurse leaned over him he did this to her the doctors managed to reset her jaw, more or less, save one of her eyes. His pulse never got above eighty-five, even when he ate her tongue.
0: That's a gruesome thing. Mm-hmm. I kind of want—I kind of wanted to see that. I kind of wanted to see the census taker. But each time I was picking one of those moments, I feel like if we have that, we lose out on that impact of that whole. F- Final stanza of when Hannibal finally gets to go nuts because he doesn't do anything close to violent yeah. all the way up until he puts the handcuff on the guy. That's what and makes then it so he shocking. goes nuts. Yeah. yeah, because they keep talking about how crazy he is, and you see like he's making these weird eyes or he's got this this very like erect posture and his clothes are very tidy and tight, and you're like, I mean, okay. And then you see it happen. I don't. I would want to lose that if we. I don't know if we lose that if we see it earlier. One more addition that I'd okay. like to see is is. I'd like to see like uh,
2: a kind of super cut of the moments when people leave Hannibal's presence and then he starts blinking furiously because his (laughs) eyes are so dried out. Oh, God, (laughs) he's doing that for 20 minutes. Exhausting.
0: He's like dropping Visine in his eyes. I wonder what Senator Martin says after they get in the car, after
1: they have their exchange. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I'll throw that one out there. That's a good one, too. I mean, she's got to be as distraught as she'll ever be in her life. Her mm-hmm. daughter's been yeah. kidnapped, and she's just yes. been taunted by the world's most notorious serial killer. Mm. It's kind of, a, kind of a tough week. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Next category. Overmatched, Undermatched, or Fair Fight? Okay, Anthony Hopkins really gives a transcendent performance as Hannibal Lecter. Like, yeah. That's just—everybody knows that. It's become the defining role of his career. You see Lecter before you see Hopkins when there's a new movie with him in it like, oh shit.
2: People forget he was doing a lot of TV movies before this, Mm -hmm. you know, like Hollywood Wives and stuff. Like not, was not an iconic film actor yet.
0: Then he just takes off. Okay. This category though is about the opposite. What about the opposite of him? How do we feel about Jodie Foster as Clarice? Was she able to keep up with his performance in an acting capacity? Was this a fair fight between the two or was she overmatched? Was she undermatched? How are we rating her
1: performance Mm. here? I think it's her best work. I think Clarice as a character is such, just perfect and, and perfectly composed. And, you know, the world is more interesting with you in it. That's such an iconic mm-hmm. line that Hannibal delivers. And yeah. it's true. And this is a rare movie. I think it's one of only four movies that has won the holy quintet of Oscars. Which what, is, is what is that? Best picture. hmm Best Screenplay, Best Director, Best Actor, and Best Actress. And so you've got Hopkins and Foster both winning. That's very rare. And it's especially rare in a movie that is essentially not, at least not, Materially, a love story, right? You know, or or some sort of uh, war film or drama like that. This is a is a thriller, and Mm -hmm. and with heavy horror movie overtones. (laughs) (laughs) And she and she won going toe to toe with Hopkins, giving this essentially, as Jason noted, career redefining performance. Anthony Hopkins goes from being a very well respected stage actor who had made some films in the seventies and eighties to a guy that HBO could launch Westworld on the back of. You know, Mm -hmm. the kind of person who is like a famous movie star. And, you know, you really needed somebody. And Jodie Foster had already won an Oscar by this point for The Accused. So she was a major heavyweight actress. She was a teen star uh, and taxi driver. But I think this is her best work because it hits on both her vulnerability and her keen intellect. You can sense both of those things in in the best Jodie Foster performances. So she's a perfect fit for Clarice. Jason.
2: I I 100% agree. There's a neat balancing act that she pulls off here, which is she's a rookie, essentially, Mm -hmm. stepping into this male-dominated world, uh, really for the first time with a lot of people and a, uh, who would like to see her not succeed, at the same time as she's like this naive rookie character, she's extremely smart and steely and gets knocked down and all these obstacles and keeps coming back. Um, yeah. And I think part of the thing that forges the relationship between her and Lecter is while Lecter mocks her for her background, he also shows in those moments that he keenly understands it. Mm-hmm. And they bond over that in a really interesting way. I think she's,
0: Foster is incredible in this role. This is the one category where we all agree, yeah. finally. Yeah. yeah, I love Jodie Foster in this, in this role. She's able to do all the things you need from Clarice yeah. in this situation. You need her to be likable. She's extremely likable. You need her to be smart. She's extremely smart. You need her to be capable. She can't just be like, help me, help me, please. Like she's got to do this stuff on her own. You need her to be strong. You need for her to be able to show that she's afraid, but also be able to show that she's like walking past yes. that fear. And more than just being able to do those things like on their own, she's gotta be able to float in between them depending on whatever Hannibal is saying or doing. My very favorite part of the movie happens during that first meeting. Again, Clarice and Hannibal are talking and things are going okay. And she's like, she can sense that things are going okay. And so she starts to make small talk and she compliments his drawings.
2: All that detail just from memory, sir?
0: Memory, Agent Starling, is what I have instead of a view.
2: Well, perhaps you'd care to lend us your view on this questionnaire, sir. Oh, no, 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 no. You were doing fine. You had been courteous and
0: receptive to courtesy. You had established trust with the embarrassing truth about Miggs. And now this ham-handed segue into your questionnaire. It won't do. If you pause it right there, she's the biggest, goofiest, <laughs> yeah. silliest smile. And I, I was like, she's very proud of herself for making that joke. Hannibal chides her for it immediately, yeah. like a parent. He's like, no, 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 what are you doing? And as soon as he does that, we see her just that quick. She snaps back into this like defensive posture. And it's just all so great. It's very textured and nuanced the way that they're balancing off of each other. You're watching like two top-level players give top-level performances. I don't think there's any way we can improve
1: on what Foster was doing here. I want to point out two other things about her. She's really interesting Go for it. One of them is she's pretty much under assault from every male character in the movie. Yes, absolutely. Hannibal and Buffalo Bill, obviously. But Crawford, certainly. And there's all these insinuations of this sort of inappropriate workplace interest that he has yes. in her there's that you know very famous handshake at the end of the film when after right. she's you know they've captured bill and there's this uh, you know essentially insinuation that he's interested in something unique but there's also uh, sort of her young colleagues in the fbi when they're doing yeah. research and somebody is hitting on her and looks her right in the eye and it's like yes i the am bug, hitting on you bug guys. yes yeah. and he's then bold th- there's also um Dr. Chilton, who's yeah. going out of his way to hit on her in the, during their very first meeting. And mm-hmm. then there's this level of disrespect that she gets at every stage of things. And obviously, she remains steely, committed, focused, often the smartest person in the room. That makes her a very, um, a very special character, especially in movies in the early 90s when there was not this, quite, this obvious sense of sort of balance between the genders that was yeah. much more vocalized. And the second thing is she's not Clarice in the sequel. No. And that's, that's very strange, you know? And, and Julianne Moore, who is also a great actress, is, is, takes over as Clarice. But Jodie Foster, there's something missing from that movie. Yeah. It, it really is her. It's her performance as Clarice.
0: Last category. This is my favorite category. It's called Regrets. Who makes the biggest mistake when dealing with Hannibal Lecter? There were a lot of Ooh. mistakes made. I got seven options for you. Wow. Yeah, I got seven. Seven people really screwed up. All these dummies. All of these dummies, number one, Chilton, for being mean to Hannibal. (laughs) The the kid guy. Just don't be mean. Like, there's a part in Hannibal where Clarice is interviewing Barney, um, Frankie Faison's character, Mm -hmm. the orderly. And she's like, How did you survive with Hannibal all those years? It wasn't just by being nice or being polite. And he's like, It was. That's all. Like, just, that's why he didn't kill me because I was not a dick to him. Fucking Chilton just kept poking him with a stick over and over again. That's a mistake. Mistake number two. Clarice for talking to Hannibal. Jack Crawford is very clear. Don't tell him anything. Give him the paper and see, and that's it. Quid pro quo. And yeah. she goes in there just like, oh, sure, I'll tell you about the, the <laughs> yeah. deepest, darkest secrets <laughs> I have if you'll fill out this form for me. That's a big mistake. Mistake number three, Crawford for sending Clarice to talk to Hannibal. I don't know how to grade this one because on the one hand, it it worked. It he got the information that you needed. But, on the other hand, like he basically he puts her life in danger, no question, and this we see as the series progresses, it has like a, a very resounding impact on the rest of her career. She's forever tethered to him. That's kind of like a that's like a dick move. And he calls it an interesting errand, he's right? Like, hey, he's like, I got a, I got a, I got an interesting thing for you. That's that's not an interesting errand. Like if you ask me to fucking <laughs> to <see> babysit his... <laughs> a pig, yeah, that's right, an interesting right. errand. Right. To talk to a serial killer, it's not great. That's not. That's... This
1: is like me assigning pieces about Trump to people at the ringer. You know, I'm like, I have an interesting uh, <laughs> idea for you. Have you ever considered this thing?
0: Uh, next option. Okay, this one isn't Hannibal related, but I have to mention it. Catherine Martin for helping James Gunn put the love seat. In the van, like what are what are you doing here?
2: That's a classic, uh, classic serial killer move. Is it? Yeah. You act injured. And you something. act injured. Ted Bundy, this, it's a, I don't know this for a fact, but it was a, this was a technique that Ted Bundy used to lure victims and he, he would walk around with a sling on his arm okay. and say, oh, could you help me with uh, my, getting my books into my car?
0: And then bonk him over the head. Yeah. She
1: quite, should have known that. One second you're singing American Girl, you know, yeah. and then the next. Why, why, oh,
0: Catherine, what are you doing? Next option. The security guards, the the two guys who are not paying attention when they bring Hannibal to his dinner, the one guy's bringing the food in, the other guy is literally standing at the door just looking at his keys. Like you only have one job, just watch Hannibal's hands. Uh, right after we handcuff him, and we'll all be alive
1: at the end of this. Those are, and they're not security guards. They're they're senior level police officers. <laughs> okay. It's a lieutenant Even and better. a sergeant. People better, people have clearly been doing this for twenty years, and they, um, I don't. You'd think that with a with a as brilliant and notorious a serial killer as Hannibal, there'd be about four, five, six people staked out there. That's taking the care other thing. Like
2: all this happens and it's like where's where's the backup? Where yeah. is everybody?
0: Okay, that's the that's the next option here. Whoever's in charge of the officer allocation when Hannibal is in the temporary <laughs> holding. Yes. We've got two guys in the room with him. And we've got 11 people downstairs.
2: Including Chris Isaac. Like, Chris (laughs) Isaac, can we get upstairs? Yes.
0: What are the 11 doing down here? The guy with the gun, go stand in there and just be there.
1: Big regrets. Bureaucracy has failed us once again. Where are all these cops?
0: The last one, the one you mentioned earlier, Sean, the medics for not like, oh, this this isn't, that's not your face. I feel like you
1: should be able to tell. A Face on a face. I think that's in day one of EMT school. Check the face. is the face. Make sure, the face. The, guy's make sure face. the face is the face. If the face <laughs> comes off, <laughs> it's a real issue.
0: Okay. Well, those are those are our options. We've got Chilton talking, uh, B and to Hannibal. Clarice talking to Hannibal. Crawford for sending Clarice. Catherine Martin with the. She's not included, but she's included. And then all the security guards. Who's
1: making the biggest mistake here? I'm going with Chilton because I think yeah. the movie really turns on Chilton. You know, if he doesn't let his vanity and his desire to be a major figure in this story get in the way, and also his obviously deeply uh, sort of hostile relationship to Lecter get in the way, then Lecter doesn't get out and things don't unravel the way that they do. You know, they don't see he doesn't see the senator. He doesn't mm. get, get moved to this new facility. He doesn't escape. We don't have all these set pieces. So I'm going Chilton.
2: I agree. It, aside from all the other characters, Chilton ostensibly should know better. He's his his life and work is studying Hannibal Lecter and the criminal mind. He should understand the type of person who he's dealing with and thus everything that he does to antagonize Lecter is theoretically done with full knowledge that those things would antagonize lecter yes. and cause this reaction. Uh so I think it's clearly Chilton. Everybody else, you know, it's like the, the cops got sloppy. That was not great. The EMTs are just <laughs> trying to do their job that was in a stressful great. situation, but none of those people deserved what happened to them. Chilton is is spent you know weeks and months and years
0: poking the bear and the bear got out. <laughs> <laughs> and now the bear ate his ass. What do you
1: think is the, the number one regret?
0: I can't get past the guy not paying attention when Hannibal's there with the handcuffs on.
2: <laughs> yeah, That's all looking. you need to do. Why is he looking at the keys? This is pre-cell phone.
0: Yeah. What are you looking at? He's just like, he's just staring. <laughs> with his back to Hannibal, I'm going to look the other way. And like, uh, you know, I'm sure he's fine. He's fine.
2: Yeah, he's, he's fine. I I, I, I shook the handcuffs
0: once. Yeah. When I'm reading through the books, when I was researching for other stuff, the very first person that Hannibal kills when he's a kid, he eats the cheeks.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is very similar, I presume, to pork cheek, which is uh, the guanciale. (laughs) And wow, he uh,
2: just, <laughs> just dropped <it. laughs> yeah. I, I I the culinary <laughs> knowledge on us.
0: This is what we were talking about earlier, where like a guy knows a thing and I don't yeah. know the thing because he could be making fun of me right now. And Brad, I have no idea what he's talking
1: I, about. I, I promise you sincerely that there is a salty, sweet Italian cured meat called guanciale that is taken from the pork. And uh, it's it's delicious, and I suspect Hannibal had the same idea.
0: This uh, this seems like a good place to end. Did we miss anything? Is there anything else we need to talk about?
1: Yeah, this is this has been really fun. You've
0: been listening to Villains. I'm Shay Serrano, Jason Concepcion, and Sean Finnessy were my guests today. You can read them on the Ringer dot com and listen to them on the Ringer Podcast Network.
1: Thank you. Thanks.
0: Villains is a production of the ringer. It's executive produced by Juliet Littman and zach Mack. Kara Hart is our producer and Bobby Wagner is our researcher. Our engineer for this episode is Kaya McMullen. Thank you to Daniel Birch for our theme music. Next week, the High School Movie Villain.